Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Taylor in 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, this month, my wife and I are celebrating our 12th wedding anniversary. So I was looking at some pictures uh, from our wedding from 12 years ago. And notice how good I look in that tuxedo from Leon Taylor. Not just me, but all my groomsmen as well. And so if you got a big formal event or a wedding this fall or maybe wedding next spring, think about our good friends over at Leon Taylor. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy would be happy to see you. I'm happy to make you look as good today as I did 12 years ago. Well, It'll almost look as good as me as 12 years ago. I'm just kidding. So we go by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you. 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, with the conflict in the Ukraine and Russia these days, we figured we'd talk to our good friend Chris Spangle. Chris Spangle is a digital director for the Bob and Tom Show and also uh, hosts the Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarians Network. Now, why am I talking to Chris of all people? Chris is actually a pretty good job uh, when it comes to social media and understanding how it works, and he also understands uh, world and global affairs. He also used to work for me, uh, with me, uh, back in my days at WXNT Radio. So, Chris, my friend, always good to talk to you. How you been, buddy? I've been fantastic. I, I've been winning like you've been winning. <laughs> well, that's that, my friend, is another episode for another show for another time. But I'll be happy to come <laughs> on the Chris Spangle show and, and talk about it. Uh, so let's talk I'd about. Love to have you. So let's talk about the situation with Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, how is that being played out in social media? Well, it initially had a lot of sympathy for the Ukrainians. It's you know the first person who moves into another country usually is the villain. So Russia started to really, um, you know, take a lot of heat and people felt a lot of sympathy for them. But then, like everything else, after about two weeks, it hardens into our own, you know, uh, internal battles and our own conflict around culture war issues. And, yeah, now now it's you can't support the Ukrainians or you can't support the Russians either. It's just it's all very weird. Or you have to only support the Ukrainians. Everything's kind of narcissistic online if you want to know the truth abdul you love it there um so help me out here how is it uh basically because it seems to me like i said just kind of following the news that the ukrainians are the good guys the russians are the not so good guys what 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 are we missing well that's the million dollar question it's it sort of feels like ukraine has become a 51st state of, of the united states to a lot of people in mainstream media i saw chuck todd wearing a ukrainian flag pin and listen, I'm I'm pro-Ukrainian in this situation. I feel bad for them. I feel that, that Vladimir Putin is a dictator that wants to oppress them, and they have every right to fight back. But I also don't think that the Americans have an interest in this beyond sending maybe some aid. Uh, but if you say that opinion online, you are a pro-Putin puppet, in, and uh, it, it's it's very odd. I think in a lot of ways we're kind of living out a continuation of the pandemic. People swatted themselves in in 2020 into certain informational veins, and then it, it carried through the pandemic. And now this is just kind of falling into that. You know, people who are prone to falling for Russian propaganda are, uh, you know, kind of in that same. Uh, well, we shouldn't talk about Ukraine at all. It's all the distraction, and, and don't say anything bad about Vladimir Putin. And then the people who were very, you know, pro-vaccine mandate and pro-masking and, and, and all that are very outspokenly pro-Ukrainian without kind of stepping back and going, what is the American interest here? What is the interest for the average American? What, you know, how many wars are we going to get involved in around the world? Uh, help us out here, if you could. Uh, how are Facebook and Twitter uh, sort of playing a role in this, this Ukraine-Russian conflict? Well, I think if you look at social media over the last few years and, you know, outlets like Frontline, which you can watch on YouTube from PBS, has several good documentaries on this. But 
when you look at Facebook and Twitter, these are the, the town global squares. That's where a lot of information in, in the modern America is uh, disseminated. And they're, you know, since 2016, they've been under fire because Vladimir Putin, if you read the Mueller report, basically it tried to influence Americans around a certain, you know, not necessarily to rally around Trump, but to really ding Hillary Clinton because he deemed Clinton and the Obama administration as an enemy. And so he really wanted to take her down a peg. That's why WikiLeaks was given information, basically, in my opinion, by the Russian government to leak her emails and you know to influence the the course of the election they do this around the world and you know and in some ways we do it too it's why radio free europe exists it's why voice of america exists um but it's no surprise that the kgb president vladimir putin is using information to try and uh, persuade america and so congress has been very hot on facebook and twitter in particular to really Tamp this down, take down the bots, take down the amplification methods, take down fake news, legitimate fake news from blog mills that are just created by, you know, what, what we saw the, the Russian state agency, GRU, create all these different websites in Russia to combat some of that stuff. But unfortunately, that has crept into uh, a, a mission creep in terms of controlling information on social media and is frustrating a lot of Americans in the process. Our guest on the program today is an old friend of the program, Chris Spangle. Chris is the digital director for the Bob and Tom Show, also hosts the Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarian Podcast Network. Chris is also an expert when it comes to social media and also pretty up to speed uh, on world affairs. We asked him to come on the show today to kind of talk about the role that social media has been playing uh, in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. Uh, Chris, I thought it was interesting uh, that when uh, Vladimir Zelensky uh, sort of addressed that joint session of Congress, it wasn't a joint session, but sort of that, that combined session of House and Senate leaders, uh, in his address, they actually had uh, some disturbing footage of missiles hitting buildings, sort of battles in the streets. Uh, how well do you think uh, the Ukrainians are using you know, social media, like I said, as a, as, as a tool to get their message out? Oh, I think Vladimir Zelensky has been magnificent in terms of the information. I think he, coming from a broadcast background, coming from a comedian's background, you know, he traveled the country going in and out of every town as a small comedian you know, through the 90s and 2000s. So he intimately knows his country. He knows how to present information in certain ways. I think it's why he dresses down. They all look like they're soccer dads <laughs> instead of, you know, wearing military garb or suits because they want to look relatable. But Zelensky knew that he had a couple weeks to really grab the world's attention to make them care. There is no Volodymyr Zelensky in Yemen. So Yemen doesn't get the, the news. And we're facing Holocaust levels of extermination by the Saudis against people in Yemen. But you don't know that. You don't hear that. It's not top of mind. But Zelensky has done a great job of tailoring his message, you know, echoing the words of Winston Churchill when he speaks to Britain or echoing American sentiments when he speaks here. Um, and they are, I think, a primary reason why kind of the zeitgeist grabbed onto the Ukrainian cause early and never has really looked back, not just to mention the fact that, you know, Putin and Russia have been global, you know, opponents, I should say, for a long time. Um, but I think they've also been effective in persuading social media companies to tamp down a lot of the Russian stuff. I mean, they're, if, you, if you log into Russian social media sites uh, you can, you'll, or go on certain telegrams, you can see nothing but Ukrainian war crimes. 
Uh, and if you go in Ukrainian telegrams or you, you see nothing but Russian war crimes, right? So war is hell and it's playing out for one side. And so I think it's important for you to understand kind of what's going on on both sides before you really support what's happening to make sure that it matches your values. But Zelensky has been brilliant in the information war uh, and has really fought back effectively and has seen that as a key component of the battlefield, not just in terms of weapons, but also information. Uh, so on the flip side of that, how do you think the Russians have done? Well, the Russians had a lot of infrastructure. I mean, if you if you read the Mueller report, which I know a lot of listeners may balk at, but you know it, it talks about the way that Russia it, it constructs its its um, dissemination of information and its own propaganda. Propaganda to me is a neutral term. It, it's not necessarily a negative term. Every politician has their own version of propaganda. It's just meant to persuade you to a certain cause. Uh, and if you go into a lot of right-leaning media circles, you certainly see that they've been effective. I mean, the kind of the crazy Christian couple that hosts this thing talking about how, you know, Putin is a real Christian and he's supporting a traditional values nation and he's a strong leader. Well, how does that kind of propaganda that is just basically straight out of you know, Russian state television, how does that creep into American, the blogosphere, for lack of a better term? Well, it's because that they, they have been building information infrastructure here for a long time. I mean, so online, I think for a lot of your listeners, just on your Facebook page, especially if you're listening to right-leaning talk station, you kind of are confused because you don't know which side to believe. Now, if you're just watching CNN every day, you, you're crystal clear on what side to believe. Uh, and so in that respect, I think that they've been successful. I think as a, a strategic move, Vladimir Putin has completely blundered. I mean, he, he's got NATO united. He's, he, he's obviously crippled the Russian economy with sanctions you know, enforced by the Americans. So I think overall it's been just a complete disaster for the Russians and Vladimir Putin in particular. Our guests on the program today are good friend Chris Spangle, Chris Digital Director for the Bob and Tom Show, also uh, hosts the Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarians Podcast Network, also uh, expert in social media and also uh, in modern and current events. He used to be one of my producers back in the old days of WXNT. And so we figured we'd get Chris on the program today and talk about uh, so, the, sort of the social media war uh, going back and forth between the Russians uh, as well as the Ukrainians. Uh, Chris, uh, when you talk about our, our American consumption uh, of social media, which I jokingly say social media is how the misinformed reach the uninformed, uh, is, <laughs> is there a lot of that going on uh, with the Russian-Ukrainian conflict? There's a lot of disinformed reaching the misinformed and uninformed, and I think a lot of that is intentional. I think the you know the United States government has a vested interest in uh, Americans joining in the cause and and advocating for weapon sales. The media is largely funded by the military-industrial complex, so they have an interest in keeping this on the front pages. Places like CNN and, and major media outlets miss Donald Trump and the ratings and revenue that he brought. I would bet you that I have more subscribers on my Patreon than CNN Plus does. Uh, so something like a war, I mean, my downloads, for instance, as I, you know, basically what we do is we explain current events from a neutral point of view, and my downloads are up 187% in the last month. So, of course, they want to keep the balloon in the air, uh, in the media, and part of what the, the social media atmosphere does is just debate what the media says. Um, and, yeah, I think you have to be really careful when you're watching things online. You have to understand that something like the ghost of Kiev or, you know, stories about 
biochemical labs in Ukraine. Like these are these different sides trying to get you like Zelensky has an, a, a, an interest in getting you to support sending weapons to the Ukraine. I mean, you can decide whether or not that's a good thing or not. That's up to you to decide. But he has a vested interest in you having that idea to put pressure on your legislator to send weapons. Vladimir Putin has the goal of trying to get you to stay neutral or silent so you so you don't send weapons to the Ukraine, right? So you have to be really careful online when you're watching this stuff, knowing that every person that is posting something online – in the social media atmosphere in 2022, no longer they have left the land of trying to inform you of something. It is propaganda. It is trying to persuade you to their side. Every single person listening to this that has a Twitter account feels that they are a PR department, that they must release a statement on every event that takes place uh, and has lost the, um, the, the goal of informing you. And that's why I think it's um, like the lead pipes in Rome, how they slowly drove the citizens crazy through poisoning. I think that's how we ought to look at social media and really limit our time and exposure to it because it's no longer a productive place to have conversations. It's very counterproductive, and it keeps you off balance. It keeps you confused because you're at the mercy of attention merchants. So here's my question for you, old friend. Uh, when we look at, like I said, what's uh, with respect to social media and how it's sort of impacting uh, everything that we have to deal with right now. I guess my question is, you know, should the audience, like I said, you know, trust social media, say if it's being reported on you know, by a CNN or by a Fox, or should it just be like, hey, you know what? Everybody's got an agenda. We should keep that in mind as we consume news. Well, old friend, trust but verify. <laughs> uh, you really have to keep your head about you, and it's kind of exhausting. And modern Americans love comfort and, uh, you know, surety more than anything else uh so it's uncomfortable for us to kind of not know but i think you can kind of generally by reading all these different sides come to a conclusion you know if you look at COVID, there was a lot of confusing information around that but you kind of got the vibe if you read all these different sides that like listen i need to be careful if i'm older if i'm at risk uh a mask may not protect me in all the ways that I'd like it to, unless it's an N95 properly fitted. Uh, so I just need to take my risk. But if I'm a 38 year old male like myself with a healthy, a healthy lifestyle, it's okay to go to Florida. Right. So you, you have to do a little homework. Um, but in, in reality, freedom requires a little extra work and it's a much better way to live. We've never had more good journalism and more information than ever before. Um, and I think walking away from it is a mistake. Pretending that everything you see is fake is a mistake. Uh, just kind of trying to keep your rational head about you and, and understand that, like, all right, I'm going to read these five news sites. I'm going to read Reason for the Libertarians, National Review for the Conservatives. I'm going to read, you know, Zero Hedge for the conspiracy type stuff. And I'm going to read Vox for the liberal perspective. And I'm going to read the New York Times. You put. 15 minutes of effort into scanning those sites, you probably have a pretty balanced view of what's going on. So it isn't as hard as people think to stay informed. It just feels overwhelming. And so we kind of give up and walk away. And that just makes you easy prey for one of these propagandists I'm talking about. Chris Bengel with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, so, Chris, is this our first sort of like worldwide conflict, so to speak, uh, that's been waged on? But social media has been sort of a crucial component uh, in both sides, or has it happened before? It's happened in small places. It's happened in small areas. You, a part of the reason that people on the right 
are a little more adept at, at some of the coverage of this stuff and understanding what's happening in Russia is that they've been driven off of mainstream platforms and, and sought out different uh, avenues of information like Telegram. So they know where the good channels are. So I've had to go to several of my conservative friends and say, where's the good Telegram channel so I can see what Russia thinks? Um, and, you know, you go on that site, you go on that app, and you just see uh, a ton of information and a ton of video that you're not going to see on Twitter or Facebook or other places or that you've really ever seen before. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely the most conventional. I, I mean, I've lived at war. Part of the frustration, I think, is that as, as a person who was 18 on 9-11 – I've been confused by the lack of clarity around what's happening on the ground and in the war, right? Because I've become so used to Defense Department propaganda of the briefing every day, giving me the neat little package of how the Americans are winning, uh, that I, I'm not used to this kind of war, right? I'm not used to the conventional war with a lot of tanks and missiles. Uh, but we've we've definitely seen the cell phone video of Saddam Hussein being executed or being pulled out of a rat hole. So we've we've seen it. It's just that this is a different a different type of war than what a lot of Americans have been used to in that you know in the Middle East with small squads and insurgencies compared to columns of tanks that are 50 miles long rolling into a country. So I don't know that it's the first war. It's definitely the most conventional and. Many of us watch many, many hours of World War II documentaries, so it just feels more familiar in some ways. So, Chris, you've got about a minute or so left. What advice would you give uh, the folks listening to us either uh, on the radio or online uh, about uh, how do you consume news or how do you, how, do you, how do you effectively use social media to understand the Ukrainian-Russian conflict? Well, after you've subscribed to The Chris Spangle Show and followed IndyPolitics.org— I love you um, like my little brother, big guy. Hey, shameless self-promotion is something that you taught me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, my whole, you know, chrismangle.com and my podcast is dedicated to helping people kind of figure some of this stuff out. And uh, you have to just kind of read balanced information. Don't make declarative statements. Just kind of keep your powder dry in terms of popping off. Because what people do is they, they read a little bit of information, they share it out there, it's wrong, they get embarrassed, and then they just, well, I'm not going to try anymore. Uh, so I like to kind of hang back and only speak when I know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, a Google search and Wikipedia can be your best friends. If you're unsure, Wikipedia is something that I use to kind of verify information all the time. Because you need a constant, you need a guide, and, and it can kind of help you tell what's going on. They have a very strict uh, process of moderation on Wikipedia, uh, so it is peer-reviewed. So if you're unsure, start there. And once you kind of build a base, then you can go and branch out and go, okay, what, what happened in the Chechen war? Well, that informed what happened with Vladimir Putin in his early days, and then that informed what happened in the middle. And, and all this stuff starts to build. I love documentaries. I've got a post up about some of the best history documentaries around this conflict. Um, and as you just kind of put the effort in and, and read kind of the links that are at the bottom of a Wikipedia page, you start to find sources and people that you sort of begin to trust and that you can listen to. And you may not agree. You may agree with me 50% of the time. You may disagree with Abdul 50% of the time, but you know, you're going to get straight information uh, and they're not trying to propagandize you. Uh, so 
I, I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's like exercise. Information now is like exercise. If you want a good result, if you want to be smarter, you got to put in a little bit of work. It's just not going to show up on your doorstep wrapped in Walter Cronkite at 6 p.m. every night anymore. That's not the future. No reason to mourn it. It's a much better system now because you can know anything in the world if you just make a little bit of effort, Abdul. All righty. Well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend Chris Spangle, the host of the Chris Spangle Show, as you can find at chrisspangle.com, also the We Libertarians Podcast Network, and also he's a digital director for the Bob and Tom Show. So, Chris, my friend, as always, good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.